Hey, college football fans, Big D with a uh, championship Saturday preview on the Big D podcast. Before I bring in uh, Molten for his expertise, please subscribe, like, and share the Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. See all my content, videos, podcasts, streams. Also check out the Big D podcast for your audio listeners on Spotify and Apple. So joining me today, the hardest man in sports, hosting his own radio show here in Southwest Florida, will be in Atlanta for this weekend's SC Championship between LSU and Georgia, and Monday night for the Saints and Bucks. David Moulton, and Moulton, uh, are you happy you're not going to you're not traveling from Philly to Glendale this weekend, right? Uh, the, this is the easiest travel football weekend of the year, that's for sure. A day trip to Atlanta and a leisurely drive to Tampa, so it's kind of nice. Yeah, just go down, just uh, wait, wait till all the traffic leaves downtown Atlanta. You get to Tampa at 3 a.m., right? Got that right. So, um, this weekend in Atlanta, LSU and Georgia mean for the SEC uh, championship, and uh. I must say, uh, I know Georgia's the number one team in the country, but there's, and I, I don't think there's any comparison this Georgia team with last year, correct? Well, they're different on both sides of the ball. Georgia's defense last year was better. It just was, even though this year's defense is more than good enough. Carter's amazing in the middle of the defense, though. He's going to be, I think, the first non-quarterback taken in the draft Jalen Carter of Georgia he's a potentially game-changing defensive tackle and there are very few of those offensively D they're throwing the ball a lot more than they did last year last year it was let's prevent Stetson Bennett from losing us a national championship this year they've actually put the ball in his hand now the throws are not the most difficult it's a lot of controlled passing they use their tight ends a lot but they throw the ball a lot more than you think they're more high scoring than you think it will be interesting to me however can someone whether it be lsu in the title game or in the playoff can someone put georgia in a spot where stetson's gotta throw the ball no one has put him and them in that spot this year usually d it happens to even the greatest teams once you know the best college team i ever saw was the 01 hurricanes they barely survived chestnut hill against boston college you know i mean usually you get one game last year georgia was unbeaten in the sec championship game alabama got them behind bennett turned the ball over you know, just will somebody at some point put Georgia in a spot? It's yet to happen. Not sure LSU can do it. Will be interesting to see if that offense, which is kind of on a roll, whether or not it can stay on a roll against that defense. Uh, you mentioned Georgia's offense this year, and uh, that, and uh, I don't think and. Tight ends are such a focal point of football now, whether it be college or the NFL, but uh, Georgia might have the best one-two tight end punch I've ever seen with Bowles and Washington. I mean, Bowles going to be a Bowles could be a top 10, 12 pick when he's eligible next year, and Washington's not bad either. 
I was going to say, I think he'd go top 10 or 12 this year. In fact, if you're Bowers, do you need to even play the 23 season? He's the closest thing to Travis Kelsey on Saturdays that I've seen. He's the biggest weapon at that position that I've seen in the 15 plus years that I've been covering college football, you know, as intensely as I have, but even going back to Jeremy Shockey and Kellen Winslow Jr. I mean, I think Shockey was close as to how big of an impact and a weapon he was on the field, but I think Bowers is even a bigger weapon. Uh, how, how close are Bowers and uh, Maya from Notre Dame? Because a lot of people are going to compare those guys because Maya could be a top 10 pick this year. Yeah, he could. I, I like Bowers a little more. Um, you know, I, I think a, a touch more athletic. Um, Myers, I think a little, a little bulkier. So he might be better. Uh, you know, maybe he would fit like a Niner scheme whereas Bowers would fit a chief scheme, if you know what I mean. But, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and he'll probably win the tight end award this year because he's, you know, more upperclassman than Bowers. So, with LSU, obviously, last week didn't go well for the Bayou Bengals no. losing, in, uh, losing in College Station. But uh, despite the loss, I must say Brian Kelly's still one of the best coaching jobs I've seen in a long time because LSU looked – Looked a little shaky in the opener against FSU. Awful, hitful against Tennessee and Death Valley, but then beat Ole Miss in the game you saw, and then beat Alabama, that crazy two-point at the end. I mean, do Jalen Daniels and the Tigers have a chance of making this game interesting? I think they have a chance to make it interesting. What I think you're seeing with LSU, though, at the end of the year is they don't have the depth. They don't have the numbers. And the long season is wearing them down. They barely got out of Arkansas with a three-point win. And Arkansas made many mistakes in the second half of that game. Plus, Arkansas Arkansas didn't have a quarterback for most of that game. They were playing a running quarterback. Exactly. And they couldn't survive texas a&m which was a team that's not even bowl eligible so i think lsu's wearing down this is the wrong program to play when you're wearing down um i'll be curious as to whether or not with a mobile quarterback that gives georgia any trouble at all because for the most part georgia this year has faced pocket passers but they did a really good job on Richardson and the Gators defensively. So I'll just be curious if LSU has something for them. Brian Kelly's an excellent coach, top 10 coach, no question about it. D, I think they're a couple of years away from being able to match rosters with Georgia. It feels it feels like Georgia's in the penthouse and LSU's trying to get in the house, but I'd, I'd feel like LSU's a year or two away from being good, too. I mean, Georgia's been here before. I think they're like a seemingly Georgia and Alabama always plays in the SEC title game. So, um, I mean, the oh. fact that LSU's in Atlanta, not Bama, is a great stepping stone for Brian Kelly in his first year in Baton Rouge this year. No question about it. It'll help them greatly on the recruiting trail, and it'll keep the natives from being restless. In fact, they'll be in his corner. 
you know, they went and hired this northerner and there were some questions about him, whether or not he could do the job at LSU. And obviously he's done the job right away, but there's no doubt. I mean, Georgia's Georgia's ahead of everybody right now. Their roster is deeper and better than everybody's, including Alabama. But D, what I think you're seeing in the SEC this year is what you're going to see going forward. There, it's going to become very NFL-esque. You can't be as financially invested as all of these schools are. I mean, Ole Miss's football coach is making eight and a half to nine million a year. Kentucky's football coach is making eight point six million a year. You can't spend the money that these schools are spending on this sport and not at least be pretty good. And as we see in the NFL, if you're pretty good, you're capable of beating just about anybody on a given day. I mean, the Eagles barely got by the Colts 10 days ago. Okay. And I think the SEC is getting to that point where they're going to add a conference game. So they're all going to play nine conference games going forward. There's more pressure to play a better non-conference schedule because you got to sell tickets and the TV networks and all that. And I think you're going to start seeing the schools eat each other up. Georgia right now has avoided it, but they've benefited from playing in the East. Well, the divisions are going to go away. And when that happens, you're going to get much more balanced scheduling. And I think by 2025, D, the SEC is going to look like the NFL. Just about everybody is capable of beating everybody. Plus, uh, Oklahoma and Texas are going to join the SEC. Well, well, D, Oklahoma just went six and six in the Big 12, and Texas just went eight and four. I I mean, I don't know if Texas and Oklahoma are in a hurry, is all I'm saying. Maybe Oklahoma wishes they had Lincoln Riley back, but yeah, I think they're changing their tune on that one. They badmouthed him all offseason, and it's funny, uh, funny how things are. Yeah, I can remember one year ago we were talking about Lincoln Riley going to SC, and now the Trojans are in the Pac-12 title game. So I thought you were right about SC, but. I didn't think SC'd be this good this fast, and obviously the main catalyst for Southern Cal being this good is Caleb Williams. I mean, uh, seems like every game I watch SC play, uh, Caleb Williams is turning into Patton Mahomes 2.0. Well, some of us thought they'd be better than others, but very few, if any, thought that they'd be in the Pac-12 title game at 11-1 with a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and he is going to win the Heisman. And 51 new players. 51 (laughs) new players. This is the college football world we live in nowadays, where you can lose a roster and replace a roster all in a year. I mean, SC, SC took advantage of this transfer quarter policy better than ever. Getting guys from Stanford, getting Addison from Pitt, getting 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 Caleb Williams from Oklahoma. It's like SC's not a college team anymore, but like a, a college football free agency destination. Well, it always has been, though. If you, I mean, USC is one of the Rolls-Royce programs in the sport. They just have to get their act together. And when they hired Lincoln Riley, 
All right, everybody went, oh, okay, now, oh, now you're going to go back to being USC again. Well, in that case, I'm interested in playing there. I mean, you know, Bob Ryan had a funny line, USC doesn't recruit running backs. They just open the window and yell, hey, I need four, <laughs> you know, and in the surrounding area, seven come running. I mean, you know, USC doesn't have a problem recruiting when they've got their act together, and clearly now they have their act together. So obviously heading into Friday night's Pac-12 title game. I mean, you were Utah handed USC its only loss in the year. I expect this to be another hard fought game. The SC's played SC's played a couple of deeply emotional games against UCLA and Notre Dame. Do the Trojans have anything left for Utah? Because I I think Utah, I think Kyle winning, I think um Utah may have one of the most underrated programs in coaching college football. And Utah's been great as a as a dog in big games. And they like it. In fact, Kyle Whittingham spoke about it earlier in the week saying, we love the spot that we're in. What I do think helps USC, though, this is the one team that beat them. If you're USC, besides the fact it's for the Pac-12 title and the playoff, but you also look at one another and go, you know, we had these guys beat. We let them get away, and then they hit that two-point conversion with under a minute to go, and they beat us by one. I'd like to even this score. And I'll say this, D, in all the teams in the BCS and now college football playoff era, if USC gets this done, they will have beaten three top 15 teams in a row, boom, 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 to make the playoff. And not many teams have ever had to do and go on a run like that. So if they pull it off, hats off to them. My question, D, is what if, and I'm being a you know, bit of a cynic here, what if USC all of a sudden on Thursday came up with a mysterious case of COVID and it's running rampant through the team and they said, hey, man, we can't get on the plane to Vegas. Sorry, we're going to have to cancel the game. Would USC not be put in the playoff? I mean, they're 11 to 1. They're top four. You know my point. Ohio State's sitting at home at 11 to 1 and Alabama's sitting home at 10 and 2. How did they benefit from not playing? But you're going to penalize USC because they were good enough to get in the championship game. You're going to penalize them if they lose it? I mean, there's a part of me that if you're TCU and you're USC, you're like, would we be better off if we don't show up? You know, we get an excuse, you know, a note from mom, from the doctor, sorry, can't play. Obviously, it's not going to happen. But my point is, if TCU or USC were to lose, if you're on the committee, do you say, listen, we got to put them in. They earned their spot. We shouldn't penalize them because they earned the spot in the title game when the teams who couldn't earn a spot in the title game were going to reward them? I mean, Notre Dame still got a top four spot two years ago when Clemson beat him in the ACC title game in the 2020 COVID season. Yes. And Alabama made the top four five years ago when they didn't even qualify for the SEC championship. You know, Penn State won the Big Ten title six years ago, beat Ohio State, and the committee put Ohio State in the playoff in 2016 instead. So, you know, the committee's a funny uh, living, breathing entity here. 
I hope TCU and USC finish the job, but I do think if one of them loses, they're going to put Ohio State in. Yeah, and Georgia's award for being number one would be playing Ohio State in Atlanta. Yikes. Well, and let's be brutally honest. If you were to inject truth serum in the committee, they would love for TCU to be the loser. Put Ohio State in at four. You get Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, USC as your two semifinals. Not bad. Yeah, you can't do much better than that, to be brutally honest. You know, maybe replace Georgia with Bama or Notre Dame, but that's about it. So, you know, here's how cruel it would be, though, if TCU loses. And my guess is if they lose, it'll be a one-score game with K-State. If you remember back in 2014, TCU was third entering the final week of the season. But the Big 12 didn't have a conference championship game. So when TCU won by seven touchdowns, at the same time that Ohio State was winning the Big 10 championship by seven touchdowns, the committee took Ohio State and moved them above TCU and dropped TCU out of the top four. That's right. They were third going into the final week. They won, but since it wasn't a championship game, they were moved out of the top fours, and Ohio State was put in. And then the Buckeyes went and won the national championship. And TCU was standing there with their arms folded like Baylor, both of them at 11-1 going, so because our conference didn't have a championship game, you wouldn't let us in the playoff? So now how ironic would it be eight years later if because TCU was good enough to make the conference championship game, but if they lose it, idle Ohio State gets put in at their expense. Guess just what happened. Uh, maybe conference title games are a little irrelevant now. Well, it will be interesting, D, going forward when we get to 12, and it's either going to be in 2024 or 2026. When we get to 12, what will the relevance of these conference championship games be? Like in the AAC, D, it's a big deal. It's an automatic spot in a playoff going forward if you're one of the top six conference champions, which this year, Tulane and UCF, both ranked, would qualify. Then that's a really big game. You could, going forward, D, if we had the same slate going forward, you could argue that the AAC game might be the biggest championship game on the board. Here's the other thing we're going to lose in future years. All these conferences are getting rid of divisions. You're never going to have a Purdue in a Big Ten championship game again. You might have Ohio State, Michigan. Well, that's exactly down the road, in theory, what you'd have if Michigan's undefeated and Ohio State has one loss and everyone else has two or more. So how psyched are Michigan and Ohio State going to be to play each other the final weekend of November and then play each other the first weekend of December? You, you would lose basically the whole last rivalry weekend. Well, I think that would be the game that actually the fans counted. I think the conference championship game they would dismiss. The game that would count would be the regular season game. That's what it should. Well, because here's the other thing. Let's just imagine, you know, we fast forward in three years, and this is what's taking place Saturday. Well, if Michigan were to lose to Ohio State, you're going to drop them out of the top four? No, no, you're going to keep them in the top four. So they're going to get the first round by Ohio state. 
Now, maybe they move into the top four with the win and get a first round bye, but you're not going to move them at the expense of Michigan. And also, if you're Ohio State, do you want to lose the home game for a first round bye? I mean, that's about a five to eight million dollar game. So that's what this year's SEC title game going forward probably would have been Georgia, Tennessee. Because Tennessee, Bama and LSU all had two losses and Tennessee beat them both. So it likely would have been a Georgia-Tennessee rematch in the SEC title game if we play by the rules that I think we're going to be playing by in two to three years. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what college football looks like uh, with uh, Michigan uh, beating Ohio State in Columbus. Uh, Michigan gets uh, Purdue in the Big Ten title game, so... Obviously, it's uh, we remember what Jim Holbrook did with uh, San Diego, Stanford, and the 49ers. It's weird to see an Ohio State team get manhandled on the ground like they have the last two years by Michigan. But can the Wolverines match up with potentially Georgia in a national championship game? Actually, they're built to match up against the Georgia. They are. Now... Michigan made five big plays in that game. The rest of the game, they averaged three yards of play. So the question going forward is, I mean, like, D, just let's go back a week. They barely got by Illinois. You know why? They couldn't make those big plays. That's why we doubted they could beat Ohio State. We didn't think the passing game could make the big plays to loosen up the defense so that they could then run the ball, who's gearing to stop the run. Illinois has a great run defense. Corum gets hurt. The running game's not the same. Michigan, you know, basically won the game because of a pass interference call. And so now going forward, defenses, I think, D, are going to defend Michigan the exact same way, and they're going to say, you know what? quarterback we dare you to make those throws again because you really only made them once this year so make them twice if you do you'll win but you know if you don't it might be the illinois game all over again that's true and i mean if you look at it i feel like michigan's defensive front's not quite what it was last year there's no Aiden hutchinson or david or Jabba, so I feel like Michigan's got to control the game, whether it be running the ball or J.J. McCarthy's finding those big plays down the field. I will say, though, that defense, have you seen their second-half stats in the last half of the season? They're averaging less than three points a game, giving up in the second half of their last six games. So basically, whatever you get them at the half, that's damn near your score, that you ain't scoring in the second half. Almost like the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. Right. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. If Michigan were to face TCU in a two, three semifinal in Arizona, I think they'd win. All right. But the one thing that you have to be careful about with Michigan, they really only made those big passing plays in one game this year. It just happened to be in their biggest game. Can they do it again in their second and third biggest games of the year, which would be the national playoffs? 
And lastly, uh, they've been uh, some three three big coaching hires: uh, Hugh Freeze at Auburn, Matt Rule in Nebraska, and Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. Which one do you think will have the biggest impact immediately? Immediately, Matt Rule, in part because I think they have you know more of a margin to improve right away. But I think immediately, Matt Rule. I think it'll be a little tougher for Auburn. Uh, to do it in one year, I think give him two years and he'll do it. But if you're asking for biggest improvement in a year, in terms of wins and losses, I'll go Matt Rule at Nebraska with Fickle second because Wisconsin went six and six this year. It will be interesting to see how much of that roster stays. It's a better roster than their record was this year. And the kids are really upset Jim Leonard didn't get promoted. So I'll be curious to see how many of those players leave via transfer. I wonder Jim Leonard heads to the NFL because I heard rumors that maybe he'd be the Packers' defensive coordinator. Well, if you're Jim Leonard, you have to decide once and for all, am I a college guy or a pro guy? And I think he's a college guy. So, you know, how about this? How about Jim Leonard as defensive coordinator at Alabama? I could see both coordinators being replaced at Alabama. I could see Dan, I could see Dan Mullen as offensive coordinator and, and Jim Leonard as defensive coordinator. Go get the five coaches union, right? Well, I, take a look at what Nick's done the last seven, eight years. If you get fired and you need to be rehabilitated, Nick's your guy. Especially because next year Alabama's quarterback is going to be the uh, kid you saw against AM, right? And he's a great runner. Maybe not the passer Bryce Young is. Not so sure. Not so sure. You think in transfer portal? Uh, definitely could be transfer portal. Could also be the, uh, the third string quarterback's a pocket passer. I think Nick wants to change their style of play going forward. He said so a couple weeks ago. He kind of wants to go back to how they used to play offense in, I'd say, between 2009 and 2015. With the four great wide receivers and Tua, they kind of, I think Nick feels they've gotten a little too spread happy, a little too much passing, a little too much finesse. I think Nick wants to go back to being a power offensive team, and maybe the running quarterback fits that. But a pocket passer fits it also. A little like a little like Georgia, Michigan, maybe. Mm, very much like Georgia. Yes. All right. So thanks for hopping on, David. We wish you safe travels and uh, happy holidays, and uh, hope and uh, hopefully we get some good games this weekend. Hope so. And um, if we don't talk between now and then, a merry and a happy, and uh, D, call me anytime. Thank you.